Well, God is good. He is uh, totally good. And did you get some uh, notes when you came in? Okay, if you didn't, just raise your hand, and uh, I'm sure somebody will bring them to you. Anybody need some notes? It'll, it'll help out as we go through this. We've uh, been on a, a series through the book of Ephesians, and it does deal with uh, what we'll be talking about today, but I felt last, last week, a week before last that we should jump over to the issue of authority, because authority is critical in your life. And, uh, and so we talked about that last week, or the week before, and then last week we had Juan Carlos and his group here. How many thought that was just really good? It was just so refreshing. It was so good. They, they always do such a good job. And then again, we have uh, Duane from Roca Blanca coming uh, in August, I think maybe the 22nd, if I'm not mistaken, uh, but we'll keep you up on that. And so we started talking about authority and the importance of it, and the value of it. Uh, and, and so I wanted to just give us a little bit more uh, on that, and then we will jump back into uh, completing the book of Ephesians, slightly out of order, but we'll get through it, because I believe it's one of the most important books uh, in the New Testament, especially for believers today. So uh, let's, uh, let's open up with a word of prayer. Father, I pray this morning that you would literally cut off all distractions. I pray this morning you'd re just renew our minds with your word and with your truth. I pray this morning, God, that the eyes of our understanding would be opened and we would uh, see things the way that you see them. We'll understand things the way you understand them, God. We'll, we'll this morning receive uh, from you your thoughts, your heart, your ways, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. C.S. Lewis, which many of you uh, have probably heard of, uh, quoted often, he's got the Screw Tape Letters, which is a very popular book. He says this, in, in the beginning of the screw tape uh, letters, he says, there's two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. We're talking about authority, and whenever we talk about authority, we have to stop and talk about what the Scripture talks about concerning the demonic forces, the invisible demonic forces, because the, the Bible is actually filled with teaching on it, and that's what I want to walk us through today, because there are many people that would just say, ah, I don't believe in that. I, why? Why don't you believe Because I can't see it. I don't see it, and so therefore, I don't believe it. And so they totally ignore the fact that um, potentially, if, if I could put it this way, how many know that there's things being said all through the airwaves of this room right now, oh, yeah. right? And all I would need to do is get my radio out and turn it on and tune it into that frequency, and all of a sudden, I'll hear what? The invisible voices that have already been speaking. So I have to understand this. This is how this works. And so now we're coming to God and we're saying, well, no, that, that can't happen. Well, wait a minute. If we can create something that can pick up the airwaves and pick up this, why, why, why can't God do something like that? Well, he can. And I think we actually are maybe influenced and directed and misguided more than we realize because there are times when our minds tune into those frequencies that are filled with the principalities and the powers in the airwaves, as Paul said in the book of Ephesians. He says, this is where it's at. He says, you're not wrestling today with flesh and blood, although we, 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 we think everything's flesh and blood, right? We think everything's just whatever we see and feel and hear, and so we live like that. Instead, he's saying, no, 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 no. You, you, you're tuning into this airwaves of the principalities and powers and they're beginning to influence the way that you think. And this is why it's important for us. Why do we need uh, authority? Why do we need to spend time this morning talking about authority? It is simply because today and every day of your life until Jesus returns 
we are in a spiritual battle. Life is not just happening neutral around you, but we're literally in a spiritual battle with what? The Bible identifies as principalities and powers who are attacking you as a believer. And so there's constant bombardment of these airwaves trying to creep in to tune you in to them. So he might throw a thought at you. And all of a sudden, you take that thought and, and, and you give it, you, you turn the knob and you think, oh, well, maybe I'll listen to that. And you listen to that thought of what the Bible calls from the principalities and powers of the air. And then all of a sudden, we begin to think in a certain way. Our thoughts always move us to an action. And, and we then begin to work that out. And if we would really be probably honest with ourselves, we would probably be able to sit here today and say, you know something, uh, maybe I haven't really given enough credit to the fact that there really are devils and demons and principalities and powers all around. Just like I don't give credit to the fact that there's angels all around. He, even though, doesn't the Bible say, and it's funny, we just make such easy phrases out of these, you know, he'll give his angels charge over me, yay! But yet, we really don't believe it. It's just a slogan that sounds good and seems noble. But we've got to get to the place where we begin to take his word as the absolute truth. And I believe because of the direction that our culture is going, that if we don't build this to where we could stand on truth alone, we will be deceived. And it's important. And that's why I really want you to tune in today because have you ever had driving down the road or just in a, at any setting, have you ever had a thought that was just totally out of what you would normally think? I mean, just something evil or bad or whatever, you know, about somebody or <clears throat> just in general. Has anybody had one of those? God's watching. Please raise your hand. Does anybody? <clears throat> you know, it's just, it's just there. Come on. Sometimes and you stop and, and you'll think, what in the world? Why would that even be in my mind? And, and you're right. Why would it be? It shouldn't be. That's not who you are. But yet somehow it got there. How did it get there? <clears throat> it got there from the airwaves of the principalities and powers in those high places. And we just didn't recognize where it was coming from. We just thought, well, it was just me. It was just me. Just the way the thought just came. No big deal. I want to change your thinking about that. How many times in a marriage relationship does this happen? You're sitting around and all of a sudden you start thinking the wrong thoughts about your spouse. Some thought comes through. And, 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 and the interesting thing is the enemy is the father of lies. Do you know what that means? It means he's very good at it. He created it, and he has mastered it. And so he can come, and he can bring, like he even did in the garden, he can take uh, what, what almost sounds like a truth and slip it into your thoughts and get you to start meditating or thinking about it, which is simply what meditating is. I'm thinking about it a little bit more. I'm letting it sink a little bit deeper. And I might give an example. I remember uh, when Patricia and I was were first married, before she really got straightened out, um, I, <laughs> I'm totally joking, uh, we would have a, a small conversation, you know, that was a little higher elevated than normal, and, and, and I would leave the house, and I can remember leaving the house, and my thoughts were about her, uh, thoughts were coming to me about how right I was and how right that I knew about how she was. And, and the, the scary thing is that oftentimes in the same toward me too, uh, right? No. Uh, and, and I would think this thought, and I would think, yeah, you know, that's really true. And I would just drive on down the road and spend my day. And then when I'd come home, I would actually think everything should be fine. How many know guys think like that way too quick? 
you know, okay, we're done. We, you know, we're, it's over. It's, we've been gone apart for eight hours. I'm coming back. It's all fine. We don't need to do anything about it. And, and I began to realize that when I would come home, where she was at was worse than when I left her. And I thought, wow, this is crazy. And I can remember one day the Holy Spirit just very clearly saying to me, he said, you're receiving what may even be a truth about her, but the wrong person and the wrong spirit is delivering it. And you end up with the spirit of it and not the truth of it. And I remember him saying, you know, you should never leave your home without praying, covering over it, because every time you leave like that, an argument or something, or uh, a disagreement you don't resolve, every time you do that, you leave your house uncovered. I'm supposed to be the head of the house, right? The covering, the, 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 the you know, and, and, and he says, you just leave that open, and the enemy has opportunity to work all day long in your home. And I remember thinking, that's right, God, I'll never do that again. And I just began to switch it. And when, when a thought would come to me about maybe something, and again, I'm just trying to be honest, I'm much worse than what she is as a spouse. I'm just going to tell you right now. She, she would admit that too. She normally doesn't, but she would. Uh, you know, I'm much worse. And so <clears throat> for, for me to drive away thinking these thoughts and letting them stay, and I can remember saying, okay, God, from now on, when the Holy Spirit spoke to me about this, I said, from now on, when I leave, if I hear those thoughts, I am going to not listen to those, but I'm actually going to speak the truth about my wife. She's an awesome woman of God. She's a prayer warrior. She loves you with all of her heart. She loves me with all of her heart. You know what I'm saying? You just got to say it. Otherwise, you leave the day with those thoughts that you thought were just you and in reality, they were not just you. They were the enemy coming because guess what? The Holy Spirit doesn't speak like that about people, does he? He really doesn't. And when you start catching that, all of a sudden you begin to realize how often the enemy tries to come in and he tries to create problems. He tries to create issues. You know, you're working together with somebody in the church and you're on a project and things don't go right. And what's the first thing? What do you, what do you think when things don't go right? Do you think, wow, I, I love that person and I, I know they did their best and I know that, you know, whatever. Or do you go the other direction? And it's important for us, I think, as believers, especially in regards to the issue of authority, that we begin to capture the understanding of the principalities and the powers and the airwaves in this unseen world because there are both angels and demonic forces in those airwaves. Wanting to have your attention, wanting to lead you, wanting to help you. Uh, and so let's read some verses here, and, and, and I, I felt that in preparing for this, some of this is just going to be you listening to these scriptures and saying, you know something, I really do just believe the Bible, <laughs> right? Yeah. You may think that that's easy, but sometimes it's not because we live in, an, in a world and in a culture that wants to argue about everything, but I'm just deciding, I'm just going to believe it. If it says it, I'm going to believe it. And if I don't understand it, I'm going to ask the one who wrote it to give me clarity on it so that I can walk in truth. We must walk in truth. We must understand truth. You can only understand truth truly through the direction and the help of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so let's, let's just read these and please listen to it. And, and I want you to just say, you know, this is, this is actually the greatest truth that I'm ever going to hear coming right out of God's book. Can you do that when I read this, please? And just and let it soak in, and let's begin to look at this for a moment. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 13. Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in who? Okay, we heard earlier, it's not our might, it's the Lord's strength in us. Be strong in the Lord and what? And in the power of his might. And he goes on to say, put on the whole armor of God, which Patricia's going to go through that uh, next week. I, I think you're going to be very enlightened by what she brings about that. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand against what? Would you read that with me? The 
wiles of the devil. Come on now. So here's what he's saying. The only way that you're going to actually stand is if you put on the armor because the enemy has the ability to deceive. And who's he wanting to deceive? You. Against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle, this is so familiar, we do not wrestle against people, but against the principalities and against the powers and against the what? The rulers of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand, uh, withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So in other words, the, what he's saying here, without his help, you're going to fall. Without his help, you're going to fall. You start listening to the wrong person, the wrong, uh, the wrong spiritual entities, and you will fall, you will fail, you will be deceived. And that's what he's saying right here. It really can't get much clearer. Let me read that out of the Passion Translation. I find it just adds a little bit of insight. Now, my beloved, I, I have saved these most important truths for last. Remember, Paul was toward the end of his life in prison writing this. <clears throat> Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus, which is exactly what Des and Enneke were talking about when it comes to communion. What are you remembering about him? Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Why do we need to learn about authority? Because we're in a battle. We're in a warfare. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. The Bible says Satan has blinded their eyes. He's put chains upon them. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so that you are protected as you confront the slanderer, for you are destined for all things, and you will rise victorious. Amen? But we have to do something about it. Luke chapter 10 and verse 19 says, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents. I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the what? The power. So he's telling you the enemy does have power and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Uh, so how, how do we know that there's a spiritual realm? Let me just give you three quick points, and then I want to wrap up with maybe some help on how do we tune in to this spiritual realm properly and to the right channel. Uh, how do we know that, it, that there are, there's a spiritual realm? Well, number one, it's very simple, but the scriptures teach about it. The, the, the scripture teaches about it. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, which we read, was, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against the principalities and against powers, against the rules of darkness this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. So he makes it very clear that there's something that's happening in the heavenly places. And maybe if you don't know, there's really three heavens uh, that are mentioned in Scripture. The first one is right here on earth, the air that you're breathing. This is, a, this is considered a heaven. And then there's the heaven above us, which would be the area that he says these principalities and powers are. And then above that is the heaven where God dwells, where God lives, where he is. And, and, and our issue is, is we want to have a relationship here, but we have this realm here that's doing everything possible to stop you from getting there. And this is what we have to just know and understand. John chapter 3 and verse 8 gives us, throws out this uh, little analogy. It says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. So what he's basically saying is in the Spirit, you're not going to see it. 
Because it's an invisible thing. It's a, you're not going to see demons. Sometimes people do and, uh, and so forth. Sometimes people see angels. But on a daily, regular basis, you're not going to see these things. But yet you can always know that they're there by the movement. So uh, sometimes you might not see the wind, but sometimes you'll see the leaves blowing across the way. So you know, oh, yeah, it's windy. Does that make sense? And so what he's saying is because the scriptures teach us about this. Number two, because Jesus dealt with demon possession often. He dealt with it often. I gave you a couple of verses for you just to look at. Uh, we're not going to look at that today. I don't want to spend time on that today, uh, but I wanted to put it out there for you. And I would encourage you to read that. You know, how, how, how do we know there's a spiritual realm? Because Jesus dealt with it. And oftentimes he dealt with it in, in, the, in the cases of, for healing. The healing was an issue of being oppressed by the devil. And so we have to understand that. Sometimes we pray for this, but really it's this. Remember, sometimes Jesus would ask somebody, you know, uh, what, well, what do you need? And, 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 and he would sometimes say, well, that's not what you need. Here's what you need. Um, and then number three is that we have seen people who are demon-possessed. Can I just maybe ask this? Have you ever encountered somebody that was demon-possessed? Anybody? Would you raise your hand? I'm just curious. I know not a lot of us have. If you travel overseas at all, then doing ministry, you'll normally always see it. At some point, you'll always see it. I've encountered a number of people with, uh, with, that were demonically possessed once in, in college. I remember we were sitting in the room, and uh, my friend said he led this guy to the Lord, and I wanted me to come over and meet him and talk to him and just connect with him, and I went over there. And you can really feel, you can feel demonic forces when they're really there. And I remember sitting on the couch across the way from him, and uh, <clears throat> all of a sudden I started sensing that something wasn't right. So when that happens for me, I just start getting people to trying to get people to say the name of Jesus. I just start talking about Jesus because anytime Jesus got around, remember demons started screaming and getting nervous. Okay, and so I just use the same formula uh, with with people when I feel that this might be the case. And all of a sudden, he had this gold chain on his neck, and he rips it off, and he says it's burning my neck, and he throws it on the floor. And now I'm thinking, now we are in trouble. And uh, I was a fairly new Christian, and the other guys were just chicken Christians. And uh, and so all of a sudden. You know, he rips this off, and he has this big trench coat on. We were living in Oregon, a little bit chilly. And, and I remember he put his arm inside of his coat like this, and I thought, well, we are in for something here. And I'm sitting there thinking, what am I going to do? Well, I was a little natural-minded, to be honest with you. I was a newer Christian, and there was a lamp next to the chair that I was sitting on. So I put my hand in the right place of that lamp because I thought something wasn't going to go right. Well, this guy pulls this dagger out of his coat. And he's across from me, maybe like about this far from me and Patricia. And he pulls this dagger out, and, and I grab the lamp, and I go like this. I just didn't encounter, I didn't put into fact there was a wall behind me. And I remember this glass lamp just shattered. It cut my hand, you know, so I'm bleeding now. And this guy, you know, he pulls out this knife, and he's getting ready to lunge at me. And I just shouted out the name of Jesus. My friends, by the way, they ran. One ran out the front door. The other one ran into the other room and literally locked the door. Honestly, honestly, his name is Tad. He's my friend, I thought. Okay, if you're listening, Tad. Uh, but he did. He run there, and I went, you know, I went to the door to get him to come back, and it was locked. He wouldn't open it. But this guy's now slithering on the floor like a snake. And I just come back in the name of Jesus and, and, and broke the power of that spirit over his life. And, and he calmed down and went back to normal. Those guys finally came back. And, and, and we ended up taking his dagger from him, of course, and uh, taking him off to another place. But this is real stuff. And it's scary stuff. You know, I'm laughing about it now, but I was not laughing then. Uh, I have my wound right there from this, the scar from that. But it's just real stuff, and, and I've come across it a number of times in my journey. Uh, and so, you know, my very first time, because I did say uh, I got saved in a Pentecostal church, and they talked about demons probably way too much. And, and I remember one day saying on the way to church, God, I don't even believe in them. I've never seen one. I come out of church that night, and there was a guy there who was demon-possessed. I won't tell you that story, but it was crazy. So I, I don't want to suggest that you ask for that. But if you really don't believe them, give it a try. You'll never know. You might just see one. 
All right, John 3 and verse 12 says this, I have told you earthly things and you do not believe. How will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? He's trying to open up our understanding. He's wanting us to see that I'm going to tell you these things, but you got to understand that they are invisible. There's an invisible realm, and, 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 and I want you to understand that so that you are not afraid, so that you can overcome, so that you can conquer. <clears throat> the other uh, thing that we do know is that, there, that the early church believed in it. And there are often experiences, as you read through the Gospels, you'll see experiences of people uh, experiencing demonic forces. Remember the disciples that went out and they got beat up, okay, and sent back, you know, as wimps. Um, we know there's a lot of military terminology in the Bible. Why is that? Because we're in a warfare. Uh, we know that there's a protective armor that he's given to us. Why? Because we're in a warfare. We know that Satan's uh, attacks are called fiery darts. I'm just throwing out some stuff here for you to really catch your attention because our scriptures are so filled with it, but we just want to avoid it. We want to not talk about it. It's just, ah, oh, I don't want to hear about it. But if you only can grasp what I'm saying today... I think it can literally change your life. I think it could change your relationships. I think it can change your marriage. I think it could change everything about you. And, and so we see all of this activity. We're told to fight a good fight, right? Fight a good fight and, and, and a good warfare. And, uh, and so this is what I want us to have our attention on this morning. And I want to say this for sure. In all of this, I want you to know that uh, God does not need to fight Satan, right? What did he do when Satan turned on him in heaven? It didn't say he fought him. It said he grabbed him by the nap of the neck, Danny's paraphrase, and cast him to the earth. Just cast him out. So there's not a, it's not like, oh, are we going to make it? Is God going to be able to accomplish this? No, he absolutely is. And he says, and we're going to see this in just a minute, that he's given us that same authority. So who's the highest authority? It's God. Romans 13, 1, let every soul be subject to the governing authorities, but there are no authority except from God. Uh, Nehemiah says this in the Old Testament. He says, you alone are the Lord. And the word there is Jehovah, the existing one. You have made heaven and the heaven of heavens with all of their hosts. You've made it all, the earth and everything on it, the seas and all that is in them. And you preserve them all. The host of heaven worships you. And in Revelation 12, 9, it says, so the great dragon, and this is one of the verses I was referring to a moment ago, the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old, called the devil, and Satan, who does what? Who deceives the whole world. Wow. That's a power. That's the father of lies. That's the one that wants you even right now to not believe what I'm talking to you about when it comes to the demonic powers and principalities around us and their ability to come in and lie to you. It's the very thing. And he's saying this, he's, he's, he deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. There's a couple of verses there on your notes that you can look at that talks about when Satan was cast out of heaven. Um, so who has the authority now been given to? This is what's important. Who has the authority been given to? Matthew 28 and verse 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Why would he waste the scripture on that? I think he knew it already. I think he'd already proven it by this chapter. He's already shown that nothing could touch him. Armies came after him, and all he had to do was reveal the name of God, I am, and the whole army fell on their face. So when people already knew who he was, why is he saying that? Because he's prepping you for what he's going to say next. But all authority has been given to him. And you and I need to realize this because the Bible does say that, the, that he's going to build his church and the gates of hell, what's that? The gates to all of this evil, destructive forces that are around us, the gates of hell are not going to prevail against us. 
Ephesians chapter 1. Let's take a look at this for just a moment as I read this to us. Ephesians 1, verses 15 to 22. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love for all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks to you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Revelation is simply you being able to see the invisible. What can you see that's invisible? He wants to give you that, and he also wants to give you the spirit of wisdom. And if you look at Proverbs, the book of Proverbs, wisdom is Jesus. It's a person. And he said, I want to give you the same thing. Spirit of wisdom and revelation in what? The knowledge or knowing of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, so he's put something in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, he seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places where far above those principalities and powers next level up and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also into the age which is to come now listen to this next verse 22 and he put all things under his feet gave him jesus to be head over all things what the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all and all. See, there's this transference of this authority. Not some authority, but complete authority. That's why we took time last night to pray with all of these people, many that may have not known Jesus as Lord, and to say, hey, we're going to pray, and I just believe God's going to do some miracles, that he did some miracles last night, and people are going to see that. Amen. Eugene Peterson, uh, in the Passion Translation, says the last couple of verses, he says, I pray that you will continue to experience the immeasurable, immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be in an advertisement of the immense power as it works through through you, this mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of the highest honor and the supreme authority in the heavenly realm. Did you hear what he just said? It's that when he rose from the dead, what did he do when he left? He says, I'm going to the Father, but I'm sending the Spirit back. I'm going to the Father. Why? So I can send the Spirit back who will live in you. And I believe it's much like Elijah and Elisha. Remember that? He's taking off, and and Elijah throws the mantle down. Elisha gets it. Elijah goes to heaven. Elisha gets it, and he gets it with a double portion. I'm just believing for that. That was released, verse 20, when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler, authority, government, and realm of power in existence. So what he did was he took back the power that Adam and Eve lost in the garden. He is absolutely, he's gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. He alone is the leader and the source, not of some things, but of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ, and has given him the highest rank above all. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. Then he called his disciples together, and he gave them what? Power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. Wow. Jesus says, I've been given it all. Jesus is now saying, I'm giving it back to you. What will you do with it? 
Will you receive it? Will you believe it? Matthew 16 and verse 19, another critical verse when it comes to this. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. See, I think we sometimes know some of this, but we struggle to really begin to walk it out. We struggle to really give it a lot of merit. It's easier for me just to get busy and stay busy in church. It's easy for me just to come on Sundays and call that good. And, 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 and it really isn't. I think Jesus said, don't forsake the gathering, but he didn't mean, oh, this is going to be all you do. But he's calling us to this new level. And I, I might say this here. I might say that some of us are struggling with certain things because Satan has developed a stronghold, which comes what? Through a lie in, in, in your mind about a certain issue. He's convinced you with a lie that something is true. And, 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 and we have these influences. I, th- I mean, think about it. You know, sickness. Uh, should we be... Uh, you know, Settling for sickness as a believer? Can I just say to you, no, without, saying, without feeling anybody that is sick, you shouldn't feel condemned. There's now no condemnation in Christ. But yet the reality is we maybe don't get serious enough about it. And so we just let it happen. We think, well, what, what do we think? Well, it's just a norm. Everybody gets the flu every year, right? I mean, come on. And we've settled this in and we've allowed potentially, we've allowed potentially, things to be there that maybe don't need to be there. But can I believe that? Can I really believe that? Or does my mind begin to reject it? Because, well, you know, everybody gets the flu every year. Everybody, right? Or am I going to begin to come back when that thought comes to my mind? Or maybe I feel the flu coming on? the symptoms of it, that I now I'm going to go back to God and I'm going to say, God, you've given me authority over sickness. I'm going to call out to you. And believe me, there's things that I've been praying for that haven't happened yet, but you know something? I'm not going to stop and give up. Why? Because it's the word of God. It's the truth right here. And and, and so I have to, as a believing believer, continue to confess and know what the word says about this. And then stand on that. You hear what I'm saying, church? I mean, this is important. We've got to, I think we need to shift our thinking quite a bit. I mentioned that a little bit two weeks ago, how we we get just kind of, well, Paul says it, I think Romans 12 too. Don't be squeezed into the mold of the world, but renew yourself, renew your mind so that doesn't happen. I don't want to be one that thinks, oh, yeah, I'm going to get sick every year. I don't want to be the one that believes that there's terrible twos in your children. If you beat those terrible twos out at one-year-old, you don't have them. I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Okay. So, but you know what I'm saying? We fall into all these things that the world is saying, and we don't realize what Paul's saying is, he's, the word is transformed, but it means like those clay molds. Don't be... Put into this clay mold of the world, but begin to renew your mind with what? The Bible. The word of truth. The only thing that stands forever. And, and, and I believe the, the last day church is going to rise up in this kind of authority and power. Well, why not us? Come on. Why not? So how can I understand spiritual things like that? the authority has been given to me? I believe, I'm just going to run through a couple things here. Just give me a few more minutes. Uh, I want to just go through a couple things here that I'm hoping will help you begin to shift the way you think. You already hopefully understand now. Boy, it's very clear. Man, we're in a battle. There's a warfare going on around us. There's principalities and powers that have the ability to lie, to deceive, to steal, to kill. They have all these things going uh, around us. And, uh, you know, um, I need to do something about it. And my overall uh, statement for this section might be that our authority comes from him, not ourselves. Right? 
That's what the one soldier said. The centurion said when Jesus said, oh, you don't have to come to my house. I'm a man, what? Under authority. I know what happens when you stay under authority. And I believe if we can tap into the one who holds the authority, that we'll find a new level of victory and a new level of overcoming. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, and, and verse 13 and 14, it says this here. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. He compares spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. Why? Because they're foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. So this natural mindedness. So if I could say this kindly and politely, but very directly, that if you're hearing preaching and you're reading the Bible and nothing is coming alive inside of you about that, it's because you're trying to understand it with a natural mind, not a spiritual mind. Let me just say that one more time. If you read your Bible, you hear preaching, you read some, some, some good books, and you're not getting some kind of spiritual insight, something which I don't know how else to describe it other than all of a sudden you're inside, your spirit's saying, yes, I bear witness to that. Yes, I receive that. Yes, that's the Holy Spirit. If that's not happening, it's because you've learned and trained yourself to stay and live as a natural-minded person. And that's why he put this here. He wants you to come alive. That's why you should want to read the Bible. If there's no desire, I understand he can deceive us out of doing it, but if there's no desire whatsoever for you to get into here and to really understand it, can I just say it's because the natural man is, is stronger than your spiritual person. I didn't say you weren't saved, but if you're born again, you should be receiving insight and revelation from God himself, which is always recognizable and it's always powerful and it's always sweet. Can I hear an amen on that? Amen. I mean, there's nothing better than really hearing God speak. There's nothing better when all of a sudden he just speaks to you about something, and all of a sudden, boom, you know, you know okay, that's how you get saved, right? You hear him. We start that way with this spiritual revelation, but then somehow we don't continue on with it because of our natural man. So here's, here's what I want to just talk about for the next few minutes here is all, is how do I move from being a natural-minded person to a spiritual-minded person. How do I get out of this category that we just read in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 about being just the natural man not receiving the things of the Spirit? Because if you're born again, which is a prerequisite, if you're born again, you should be getting this kind of revelation. Here's how, we, here's how uh, I think would help you if you'll just hear what I'm saying. Number one on your notes there, by reading the, the Bible out loud. Man, I can't stress it enough. I, and I would even probably say, you know, it might be a good idea for you to get one of these old-fashioned written ones. Because you guys know what this is? was the Bible. I know you thought it was something else. But it might not hurt for you to get that because have you ever been distracted when you went to go open the Bible and you got all these texts and all these notes and all these free gifts deals? And pretty soon you got a half hour that you had set aside because you were noble, you were going to do this thing, and all of a sudden your half hour is up, now i got to rush to work. Well, I better read it real quick. You leave. Get an old-fashioned Bible, maybe begin to read it, and begin to read it out loud. Here's my analogy. Have you ever... Uh, let's see, let me think. I don't want to pick up. I'm trying to think of an example that none of you would have. Uh, <laughs> so you wouldn't think that I'm talking about you. But ha have you ever known somebody that was late to everything? Okay. And somebody else comes up to you and you're doing something and that person says, oh, he's late. And your response is usually, well, that sounds like him. <laughs> right? Right? Come on now. I'm with the right crowd, right? It happens. That's your response. Well, that sounds like him. I know. He's always such a reputation of being late that everybody knows. Yep, that sounds like him. Okay, this is what I want to say to you. If you begin to read this out loud enough, 
when God's spirit begins to speak to you, guess what? Yep, that's him. I know that's him. Why? Because I've been hearing him, because I've been reading it. And not only has my faith increased from hearing, hearing, but it also helps me to recognize when the Holy Spirit does speak to me. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wow, yeah, that's him. That's all. Now I'm going to tune in a little bit more. I'm going to lean in a little bit more because he's, he's capturing my attention. He's capturing my heart. He wants to speak to what? My spirit. The second thing is to meditate on the scriptures that you are reading. Meditate on them. Don't just read through this with your devotional every week, but meditate on it. You know, Psalms 1 says if you want to prosper, if you want to be healthy spiritually, you just need to meditate on his word. Read through Psalms chapter 1 and you'll see that. So spend some time meditating on it. The word meditating is that old word that they used for cows chewing their cud. They chew it for a while, they swallow it, and they regurgitate it back up, and they chew it again, and they swallow it. This is gross just before lunch. And they chew, you know, they swallow it, it sits there, they pull it back up and chew it some more. What are they trying to do? Get every bit of nutrition out of it. This is what he's saying. I want you to just begin to look at this and meditate on it. And if it's something you don't understand, God, help me to see this. I say, I feel you're trying to say something, but I don't get it. Uh, he, he did that for the disciples. Whenever he told parables, it seemed like the disciples. Uh, after he would tell it to the big crowd, the crowd would all scurry along. Oh, we just learned how to farm today about seeds and sowing. We just learned how to farm. How about that? Thank you, Jesus. Bye. What did the disciples do? They came to him. He says, we're, we're, we're not getting what you're saying. And what did he do? He began to just explain to him, well, listen, this is what I was saying. Now you go do it and you'll prosper. I'm thinking, wow, that's what he wants us to do. So, And the third thing I put down is talk to God about your questions. Talk to God about your questions. And again, don't start in the book of Ezekiel, the book of Daniel, the book of Revelation. But just go to Ephesians and the Gospels and all the New Testament and just begin to read it. And and what you don't understand, just say, God, I want to understand this. I guarantee you start voicing that, 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 that question, he'll begin to speak to you. You'll hear it. Philippians 4, 6, it says, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about it if you don't get it at the moment. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. He really wants to hear your voice. He really wants to hear from you. And I'm amazed at how often when I voice my, uh, my, my, my request to him or questions to him, how that somehow through the day, maybe not all instantly, sometimes though, but boy, through the day all of a sudden, oh, yeah, okay, it just kind of comes. It's awesome. The fourth thing, learn to worship. Learn to worship. I, I loved... Uh, uh, Lauren's exhortation today uh, about that, that, you know, we have to understand that worship is more than just singing a few songs, but she said this phrase, darkness is coming after you. Can I say that that would be true? So I need to learn how to worship so I have a greater discernment between what darkness is and what light is. Have a more discernment of the difference between God's presence and Satan's deceptive presence. I begin to discern it. I know. I know what it feels like. I know what it's like. John 4, 24. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. I, 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 you might not remember this, but maybe Juan Carlos slipped it in as a worship pastor, a worship leader that he is. Last week, he says, you know, we don't sing songs just so that the late people will be able to get the sermons. I thought, that's really true. I just wonder sometimes people, how they think about that. Do they realize, I just want you to know, I think worship is absolutely equally important as reading the word or hearing preaching. There's no doubt about it. There's a whole book about worship. Biggest book in the Bible is about worship. And yet somehow we think it's just singing songs. And so we tote around and we don't really come in and really allow ourselves. I'm telling you, my spirit gets tuned up with God's when I really step into worship for what it really is. 
and I really begin to give myself to it, begin to lift up my hands. I begin, the Bible says I lift up my holy hands. And, 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 I, and the Bible says clap, and it says sing, and it says shout. You know, I want to get more revelation from God. I need to get my spirit in tune with his, and he created worship for that purpose. And that will happen in your own personal prayer time, you'll find, if you'll uh, learn how to worship in, the, uh, in your prayer time. Psalms 100, verse 1 through 5. Make a joyful noise about, uh, uh, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you land. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Come before his what? Presence with what? Singing. What? Come on. Do you know that just before the altar in the tabernacle of Moses was the incense? Incense represents worship and prayer. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates. How come you guys got quiet on me? You did. I can tell. I thought I was talking on tie there for a second. All right, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name, for the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. How many of you say amen to that? Then the fifth thing is just to be under authority. Be under authority. It's important for us to be under authority if we're going to have authority. Be under the Holy Spirit's authority. Are you following Jesus? And number six, By the Holy Spirit himself, John 16 and verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you, he, person, Holy Spirit, guide you into all truth. He will not speak of his own authority, but what he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you uh, the things that that are to come. And we know that Jesus didn't do anything without seeing and hearing, recognizing what the Father was doing. And it's the same thing for us. I think if we, when we learn to tune into him, what we're going to find is that the Holy Spirit is going to begin to direct us. We're going to begin to walk in a greater authority, which we really need to have, than we would ever have believed was going to happen. How many say amen to that? Let me just pray quickly here. Father, we thank you today for your goodness. I pray your word would settle in like seed that would germinate inside of each one of us today. If we have questions and had questions about this whole spiritual realm and the authority that comes by walking in it, uh, that you would begin to unfold truth and answer that for us in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.